Jericho Road is a ministry of St. Luke's Episcopal Church. It's a Sunday school class that happens at 9.30 on Sunday mornings, and you're welcome to join us. These days, we're studying Genesis as it leads into Exodus. It's a great sequel, and we hope to get you thinking about an old story in a new way. I guess you can tell by now I love the stories of Exodus, this great sequel to Genesis. I probably love it so much because I grew up watching the movie every Easter evening, right after I got home from church, from the Baptist church, we would watch the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, and there are all the scenes we know with Moses in the burning bush, and Pharaoh, and the parting of the Red Sea, of course, and the giving of the Ten Commandments. But there are also stories in the Bible that aren't in the movie, and quite frankly, they can seem so weird that they're off-putting. I wonder sometimes if this why more people don't read the Bible. They'll run across a strange passage or a strange verse or two, and then they think, well, I'm out. One of the ways that I want us to think about the Scriptures, especially as we study this together in this podcast, is the Bible is like a piece of archaeology. You're holding in your lap something that goes all the way back to the Bronze Age, which means that there are stories here that are 4,000 years old, and people living in that time thought different things and saw things in a different way. And we're going to see this in this particular podcast with just two verses from Exodus. Let's just say these two verses didn't make the movie. Well, let me recap what's happened. Moses, of course, flees Egypt. He's raised in Pharaoh's court, but after a murder, he's found out and has to run away for his life. He makes a life for himself in Midian, and God reveals himself to Moses in the form of a burning bush, which is key because the bush itself is humble. Notice that God does everything in opposite, mirror opposite of Egypt. Uh, God will reveal himself in homely, small ways, while that Pharaoh will uh, reveal his authority in grand ways. God comes in small ways, and, and, and again, and again, and again, and again. So in the bush, uh, God reveals himself to have a name. Uh, I will be what I will be. I am who I am. Or the way that I like to translate it, I will be God for you, uh, which is repeated uh, over and over again in the Bible from page one to page 1001. I will be God for you. I will be there for you. That is his, that is God's name. So, um, brings us to chapter 4, where Moses is beginning to uh, accept this divine call to go back to Egypt and to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. We know that part of the movie. We don't know these two verses. This is Exodus chapter 4, verse 24 through 26. And yes, it's weird. Here we go. On the way, at a place where they tried to spend the night, the Lord met him and tried to kill him. Yep, you caught that. The Lord tried to kill him. Verse 25, but Zipporah, Moses' wife, took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, truly, you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. It was then said, she said, a bridegroom of blood by circumcision. What? I understand. Like, what, is this, what does this even mean? I mean, first of all, it, it's kind of gross and, and maybe even a little naughty for the kids. And so I, I think if we take a minute and remember what I said before, that this is a piece of archaeology, we can begin to understand uh, that there's something important going on here. First of all, verse 24, on the way at the place where they spent the night, the Lord met him and tried to kill him. I want to remind you of something that we've learned in earlier chapters of this podcast and that is that the stories of Genesis and the stories of Exodus are national stories. They're national stories. 
Think of the stories that you know that are national stories that bind us together. Uh, the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere. Um, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Uh, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. George Washington never told a lie. Those, those things are stories that we all know they bind us together. We used to all have songs that we all sang together and television shows that we all watched together. I remember in the 90s when I was in seminary, uh, we... Um, I'd all watch Seinfeld on Thursday nights because Fridays were what they called water cooler moments. We don't have those anymore where everyone's talking about the same thing. But you do know the concept, right? So I believe that Genesis and Exodus are both national stories to get them through hard times. Specifically, they were stories to get them through the exile. We talk about the exile just about every podcast, but about 600 years before Jesus' birth, God's people lost everything. They were taken far away, and so they needed stories like Genesis, like Exodus, to bind them together, remind them who they are, and remind them that God loves them and that God will save them. That's the purpose of these stories. So in this story, when when we read, I'm going to read it one more time, on the way at a place where they tried to spend the night, the Lord met him and tried to kill him, uh, they would have immediately remembered another national story. And that's the story where Jacob wrestled with an angel through the night. This is Genesis 32, Jacob wrestling. uh, And so they would remember that Moses is still wrestling with God in the way that they were called to wrestle with God, where Jacob got a new name, Israel. The whole point of the people of Israel is that they would struggle and they would wrestle and they would find uh, who they were and who God is. I also want to remind you that Hebrew is by its very nature a poetic language. And so there's another way of saying uh, this call of God just about killed me. What I'm trying to say is this call of God was so gripping to Moses' heart that he couldn't he couldn't let it, let it go. He couldn't go back and become a shepherd in Midian uh, because it would have killed him otherwise. And in this way, uh, God tried to kill him. God laid something on his heart that he could not ignore. Well, that's verse 24. That may be the easy one. Verse 25 is the one with the flint and the foreskin and touching Moses' feet, and truly you are a bridegroom of blood to me. Uh, that one that one is going to require a little bit of archaeology. And so I want to go back to their world and remind you of the idea of covenants. Covenants. A covenant was very important uh, in the ancient world because they didn't have any civil protection. They didn't have any police force or any first responders to take care of you if you got in any kind of trouble. What you had to have was a covenant with someone more powerful than you to protect you. So if you're a, a herdsman, for instance, living in the Bronze Age, you would enter into a covenant with a herdsman uh, next to you, uh, uh, living next to you, so that you could not only have protection, but you could also share a piece of a larger family, if you will, the strength in numbers. And so I'll, I'll give you an example. If your name was Fred the Sheep Man and you live next door to Joe the Cattle Man, you would enter into covenant and you would take a piece of his name. So you would become Fred Joe the Sheep Cattle Man and he would be Joe Fred the Cattle Sheep Man. Maybe I got that right. Uh, but I think you get the point uh, that they would become a new family. So that's the first part of a covenant. The second part of a covenant is you had to have some signs so that others would know that somebody had your back. And they didn't have paper and pen back then. So what they would do is they would make a cut. Blood is very important 
Blood represents life. That's the first thing you, you want to remember when you're thinking about ancient people. But also blood was important and also a sign, a cut, a covenant was cut so that you would have a scar, uh, not a piece of paper and a pen, but rather a scar on your body to show someone that you had a relationship with a powerful neighbor. So there's this weird story, another weird story in Genesis chapter 15, another one of those stories that might scare people off from read the Bible. And uh, Abram has a dream in Genesis 15. God asks him to cut animals into into two pieces, and he cuts these birds and animals, and then a smoky pot passes through them. And what happens there is that God is ratifying his covenant with Abram, and he's ratifying, he's passing through the cut pieces, if you will, so that that Abram and and God are, are entering into a relationship. Abram gets a piece of God's name, Abraham, Yahweh, Abraham. So now he's, his name is extended. And then also from generations forward, uh, their boy children would be circumcised, which would be the cut. Now, if you want to fast forward this over in, into the Gospels, I think it's fascinating and absolutely part of God's plan that when uh, God raised his son Jesus on Easter Day, uh, he raised his only son with scars, with scars, nail prints in his hands, which are the signs of our covenant. You see, we still live as a people of the covenant. This this strange Bronze Age uh, Bronze Age habit of, of cutting and of blood and those things, uh, we're, we're all people of that today. Our communion words and our worship service are Exodus words. Uh, and our belief in Jesus, these, these are covenant beliefs, and, and we believe that our God loves us with scars, which means that on the darkest of our nights, when the storms are, are raging and when we cannot hear anything but the sound of our own pain, we can remember, we can remember uh, that, uh, that the hand holding ours has nail prints within them because the nail prints are the signs of God's covenant with us as Christian people. So now maybe this archaeology is coming home and becoming something real and becoming something today and becoming something now. What this simply means in Exodus chapter 425 is that Moses is now all in as a Hebrew person. He's finally shedding his Egyptian uh, past, his, his Egyptian raising. His own child is, is a circumcised Hebrew, which means that, that now Moses is fully in the family and can now begin to go and live for God. You know, blood also in this Bronze Age context also means protection. And she touches his feet, meaning uh, that he will now walk faithfully. He will now walk faithfully with God. So what I hope I've done for you is taken a little bit of archeology span and put it in your lap and to say that, that once you live in their world and once you see what they see and once you think how they think, uh, gosh, it's just, it's just not that different. Uh, they're not that different than we are. And, and we too are living with a God uh, that will wrestle with us and will challenge us and will call us and will scare the jeepers out of us <laughs> and, and also never let us go. And as we struggle, uh, we will find out who we are. Amen. <laughs>